Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Chicago baseball Twitter was all uh, in a kerfuffle about some things Jay Hap said about about RBIs and and as always, you know, the Twitter completely overblown the situation. Actually, you know, asked our mutual friend Matt Spiegel if, if, if what he said, and he sent me a link. I listened to it. I said, actually, that's that's perfectly reasonable. But more importantly, you know, two things struck me. One was why do we care what players think about advanced metrics? But the other part was like sometimes RBIs do matter, and sometimes some of these things do matter, and we can get focused or or maybe overly focused, especially in terms of awards and things. With, with, you know, traditional analytic metrics, as strange as that might sound, like war and things like that, and forget about what's happening on the field. So, you know, as someone who is a fan of the absurd, you know, at times I call major league executives and ask them if they think clowns could do arbitration hearings. I decided <laughs> to make up a player and, and see if I could make that make, make RBIs matter was my goal. The premier baseball show in Chicago, Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. Welcome in on 670 The Score. That is our next guest, Kevin Goldstein, on earlier, I believe it was this week, with uh, Dan Bernstein and Layla Rahimi. Uh, Jason Benetti joins us in an hour. Bruce Levine in about 40 minutes. But before that, we talked to Kevin from Fangraphs right now on The Score Hotline, presented by Alpamonte Ford. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park on North Avenue, or you can go to apford.com. It is a rare treat to get a man fresh out of an MLB front office. Oh, he's fresh. You can see him. You, you can see the steam still rising off the dome of, of Kevin Goldstein as he's delivered back into the media universe as of right now for fan graphs and joins us here on The Score. Good morning, Kevin. What's happening? Geez, how are you? Did I, did I really refer to the Cubs outfielder as J.A. Happ in that one? Boy. Uh, I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't even notice. If, if you did, don't I did, worry. I did. Oh yeah, no, 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 no credibility lost. Uh, d- don't worry. <laughs> the, hey, the fact that you called him J A Hap and not J Hap is uh, th- that's that's a win. I, I still struggle Marshall with Pratt. that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, let's let's go ahead and start there. That's an interesting place to start. There's other places I want to go, but how much how much does a player understanding metrics ever even matter to a front office or or to you know as you're thinking about it like they need to understand what they're being told but they don't necessarily need to understand the depth and breadth of the numbers and and what they actually say i guess it's a bonus when it does when they do understand but do they need to understand no who cares i've i've never understood it i remember 
I'm not going to name names here, but uh, a, an analytical, uh, big supporter of the analytics, uh, interviewing Clayton Kershaw at an all-star game and talked to him about his whip. And Clayton Kershaw said, no, I just care about wins. And, and, and the reporter was, was, was apoplectic over this. I was like, why do you care? Why do you care what Clayton Kershaw thinks about it statistically? This is not... This is not a, a moment to, to become evangelical about the thing. You know, I know plenty of great players, plenty of great pitchers who, when they go out there, want to get the win. And if that's what drives them to pitch well, go get the win, baby. Like, why do you people care? I've, I've never understood it. That's always been a problem with kind of the analytic community of getting mad when players in particular say something that might be, you know, a, against analytics or, or, or doesn't necessarily agree with, with the way analytics go. It's, it's just always never made any sense to me. But whatever drives a player, let it drive a player. He doesn't need to worry about these things. No, it's, it's, as long as it doesn't drive them towards something that isn't sensible, right? I, I, I suppose there are some, some instances where, uh, where those kind of things uh, drive a player towards something. But I guess as long as the manager puts them in the right position, it kind of eliminates that, that risk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if a player says, like, look, I walks are dumb, I'm never going to walk, you might want to talk to him about all the benefits of at least focusing on pitches you can drive, you know, and then, and then they'll, maybe some more walks will come. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, it's up to the manager to put every player into a position where they can get the most out of their ability. That, that's one of the manager's biggest jobs. You know, people measure them way too often on, you know, weird strategy things, how often they bunt and, and what they did in the pen and whatever. But, you know, there's so much soft science to being a manager, and, and it's, it's just the ability to get the best performances out of players. And that's a incredibly hard thing to, you know, kind of put a statistical uh, valuation on. One of the new rules that's happening in the minors, um, Kevin, is is going to be all four infielders with their feet on the dirt. And there's a possibility that the second half of the year, they may go to the two infielders on each side of second base. We'll have to see. All of this may be a precursor to uh, eliminating the shift or banning the shift in MLB, or it might not. It, it might not go anywhere. It's perfectly reasonable to, to, to experiment, and I, and I love that they're doing that. Um, I always come back to this as a guy who would like to see shifts go away. Um, and I know it is suppressing innovation. I understand that. But we've seen this before with defensive three seconds rule in, in, in the NBA and, and things like that. Or the, the hand check for defensive backs in the NFL and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's OK to to amend the rules a little bit if the game is being affected. The thought process has always been, man, why can't the hitters just go the opposite way? And hit it away from the shift. And why can't they adjust? Do you think it is a product of more of them being unwilling to do so or just unable to do so? Because hitting a baseball is really, really hard. It's so hard. And, and you know, <clears throat> you know we, we talk about this all the time. It's just, if hitters could not only hit a baseball, but aim it with the kind of precision you are now asking for, wouldn't they hit 750? You know, we get in the situation where I just hit it between the shortstop and the third baseman. Like, if you think a guy could do that consistently, you would have the best hitter in baseball. And, and you know, the number of guys who have just nearly enough contact skills uh, to do something like that, I don't need more than two hands to count. And so, no, absolutely. There's this concept of I get hit them where they're eight and all that kind of stuff, but the thought that you did hitters can aim a baseball consistently with a bat you know, is, is utterly ludicrous. Just hit the ball 
as hard as you can, and good things will happen. See, and if that's the case, I want I want guys rewarded when they hit the ball hard in shallow right center, as opposed to that being right at a second baseman who's who's positioned out there. I'd like to see them rewarded for the happenstance of wherever the hell it goes on hard contact. So that that's why I'm for an eventual shift change. Cause I want to see that rewarded. Uh, where, where do you fall on it? Cause a lot of people say I'm misguided with that, but I just, I just, I just want to see, I, I, and aesthetically, I guess it, there's a, there's a big component there. I want to see it succeed when I, I see the smack off the bat or up the middle. If somebody hits it hard up the middle, that should be a freaking hit in my opinion. But you know, who am I? Uh, you know, the, 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 you also did say that you know they shouldn't be allowed to have a defensive back in a certain spot. If you can throw it there, it's a, it's a freaking touchdown, right? I, you know, I, I think you use the word suppressing innovation. That's what bothers me. I think I think teams should be allowed to, to do whatever they want, and the other teams should have to adjust to it. Um, at the same time, you know, I'm interested in seeing how this works out. I'm interested in seeing the numbers at you know double A when they mess with this, in the sense that. As they stated in their, their document about the rule changes, MLB said the goal was to increase batting averages and balls in play. If that's the goal, this just might have a little bit of an effect on that. Um, it's not the best way to change that. You know, I think baseball has become such a power game, uh, and I mean on both sides of the ball. You know, everybody's throwing 95-plus, and, and let's face it, in a really good big league lineup, most, if not everyone, is a danger to hit a ball over the fence if he gets a meatball at the very least. And so it is a, such a power, power game, and you're not going to curb strikeouts. You know, I don't know how you're going to do that. And you're not going to curb guys trying to hit home runs. And so this will have you know, some sort of small effect. So I'm at least open-minded to that aspect of it. So like you said, I, I'm not crazy about kind of squashing innovation. And I think teams should be allowed to be experimental. You can read a, a great give and take uh, with Kevin and a colleague over at Fangraphs on, on the rule changes. Another thing you can read over there is something you wrote about your personal uh, anniversary of the beginnings of the pandemic. And it's a great read. Um, it's where you were in the Dominican doing what you've done for a long time as a media member and then as a as a front office stalwart in Houston and how you were fearful, wondering how it would shake out, and eventually got out of the Dominican. Um, and it's a great read, as I, as I said. But the picture you paint of where you were, which I, I think you mostly did as a scene setter, um, but but paint that for the listeners, would you? What what that, you know, multiple fields and what that kind of moment looks like? Because a lot of us have heard about the scouting of players in the Dominican or other Latin American countries, and we have no idea what it really looks like. What does it really look like? Uh, it depends on the player. You know, sometimes you're at the tiny little backfield of some trainers that you know used to be some team's complex and is now in a state of disrepair. And it's you with three other guys, and you're watching one player, and it's and you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. And other times, um, you know, my, my, interestingly enough, my very first trip to the Dominican Republic uh, was to go to the Jose Abreu workout. Wow. Um, and. I, I'll tell you this, and I, I hope he doesn't get too mad at me, but I sat next to Kenny Williams during much of the Jose Abreu workout, and I knew I was in trouble. I knew I knew we were in trouble. I, it, it was it was such a funny thing. The guy, he got the first round of batting practice. This was at the Yankees facility in the Dominican, and 
a lot of a lot of players have their work their private workouts at the Yankees facility in the Dominican because the wind blows out. So power the, the home runs really fly there, right? <laughs> and then right beyond center field is a is a barn with a corrugated metal roof. And Jose Abreu is a large man who hits balls very far. And he goes and takes his couple rounds of batting practice. And it was such a uh, it was. I always just remember the sound. It was whack off the bat, and then carry, 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 bang off this metal roof. And it was just a minute of whack, bang, and right next to me is this Kenny Williams giggling to himself. And I so, said, yeah, I think the White Sox like this guy. <laughs> so you knew you were in trouble because Kenny was yeah. into it. I think the White Sox <laughs> like this guy. And, and you knew you figured they were going to out offer you the Houston Astros on Jose Abreu, or you figured if they offered Abreu would go there because of uh, any relationships or what? Uh, it, 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 felt, it certainly felt like money, money ruled the day. Um, the Astros actually bid and bid pretty strongly on him. Uh, you know, I was there with, with three other uh, evaluators. So they all liked them. And uh, if I remember right, it was the final four of the Astros, the Rockies, the White Sox. I wonder that maybe the Giants, um, but yeah, it, it was you know everyone saw him. But about three days later, his representative said, you know, if you if you're interested in, in, in providing an offer, they're doing 48 hours, and it went from there. And then the White Sox ended up getting him, and obviously he's been phenomenal for them. But um, I mean, that was my first you know big workout was was going to see Jose Abreu. I, I mean, it, it, I would go down there for all the big Cubans. I did a private workout at the Astros Complex with Luis Robert. Um, I've, I've seen these dudes for a while. Wow. Uh, how, how do you know, Kevin, as, as a scout, how do you know when, when somebody's special? It, it, do you have particular markers that you look for or, or, or instincts that you allow to take hold for you? Uh, I mean, in, in the case of those guys, you kind of knew you were walking into something special. Abreu was, was the longtime, you know, three-hole hitter, if you will, for – um, you know, and in both his, his team in Cuba and for the Cuban national team, um, Luis Robert was a guy who had been seen with the Cuban national team, had a little bit of experience in those pro leagues, and and everyone knew the tools were, you know, nothing short of incredible. And it took about I don't know two minutes of seeing him in person for him to go, oh yeah, they really are. And so, you know, some guys you walk into and you know what you're getting, you know, especially some of these the Cuban players where you have exposure to them with the Cuban national team and things like that. And other times, you, you do find yourself walking in a situation, and within you know, 20 minutes, you're going, "Who is this guy? What is this?" And, you know, you're finding your your local scout down there who's you know seen the, the kid far more than you have. You're saying, "Tell me about this player. What do you know about him? Where does he come from? You know, how long has he been this good?" And uh, you know, there's just certain things you look for. I, I think with the international players, you're focusing far more on the tools first, and and, and how good a baseball player they are. Uh, secondly, and then hoping that your player development group can turn these guys into baseball players at times, but I, you know special tools when you see them. Hmm. Uh, it, it, is there somebody that you can think of who was not heralded, and then you were like, oh, man, look, look at that guy, and, and ended up he ended up being something that you weren't expecting? <laughs> I, I, I look, man, I can talk to you for about four hours about all my misses, if you'd like. Um, <laughs> I think one that really stands out for me is, is, is Trey Turner. Um, you know, I went and saw Trey Turner. I actually saw him and Carlos Rodon uh, over at NC State. And I saw Trey Turner, uh, wrote him up, wasn't crazy about him, thought it was more of a second baseman than a shortstop, didn't have a lot of power 
I kind of thought he'd be like a 270 with 10 second baseman who could run. Um, and obviously he's turned into one of the better players in all of baseball. So you have your share of misses. Um, and that, that, that's one that always has bothered me for sure. Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting because, yeah, we'll do that sometime for hours and hours and hours. Um, I'd like oh, it. not. I, <laughs> well, not, not even necessarily the misses. I'm sure you have guys that, that feel like <laughs> yours. Uh, I'll tell you one that maybe you don't even want to claim, but I, well, I mean, you should. Um, when you were, uh, I believe you were director of pro scouting at the time for Houston, um, there were a whole bunch of guys that you picked up from other teams that all of a sudden were really good. One of them was Jake Marisnik, who yesterday homered deep for the Cubs looks like he's going to make their team. I personally assign him to you, Kevin. Whether you want him or not, I <laughs> I, I, I put him on the goal, on the Goldstein ledger. He's he's got some game left, uh, and I think he's going to make the Cubs here this spring. I think he should make the Cubs. I actually think he's a, a really good fit for them, and I, and I think he will. Um, he's perfect. You know, I, I, I know obviously Jock Peterson's had an incredible spring training, but uh, in a perfect world, Jock Peterson never plays against left-handed pitchers. Um, against left-handed pitching, he's a little better than you and me. Against right-handed <laughs> pitching, he's, he's really a borderline all-star. And so that's a really, really valuable piece. But, you know, like we talked about, the best thing to do with any player is accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. And so don't have him play against left-handed pitchers in a situation like that. You can slide Ian Happ, whose first name I do know, over to left field and put Jake in, in center against the lefty. And I think that's got a, a perfect spot to him. He still plays a fantastic defense. So this is a plus-plus center fielder. He can play all three positions. He throws well. He has this kind of – he does have very real power. He's just not – that doesn't get to it a ton because he has some some hitting issues. But, you know, for a guy who can hit you know, 230, 240, whack some balls over the fence and play outstanding defense, he can run well. It's a really valuable fourth outfielder, and I do think he should make the team. I think the Cubs have told Jack Peterson he's going to get a chance to play every day and hit against lefties. Can a guy learn at this advanced uh, spot in his career? Because the Dodgers stopped giving him a chance because they were all about winning, uh, understandably. But I think the Cubs are going to give him a chance, a chance here. You know, I, I think he has spent six years in the big league showing us he can't. Um, I think it's very hard to change that. Uh, I, it's funny you say that. I recently looked at his, at his splits to spring training. Yeah, and obviously he's been fantastic. You know what? All the damage is against is against righties, and so I, I, I I'm not optimistic about it. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, I guess you got you got to hold on to your convictions while uh, while while some w- will will go to the side of oh, no, he can totally do it. He can totally change. People can evolve, Kevin. But right. and, there, and there might be a you know there might be a handshake agreement as well. You got to remember, like it's. it's Jack Peterson was a free agent. It's quite possible there was a discussion before he signed. Am I going to play every day? And, I, and, and it's quite possible the team says, look, we're going to play you every day, but at the same struggles against lefties, rear their ugly head again. We'll have to make a change, but initially we will play you every day. There could be that sort of verbal agreement in place, even. Well, that's certainly what I read from it, from the way that they've talked about it. If you're a front office, do you go to your manager and tell him that you're doing this, or do you do it after you sign him because you're the boss, essentially? You you certainly would talk to your manager. Hey, we're talking to Jock Peterson. We're real close. Um, he wants to play every day. And, and, and you know, if, if we assure him of playing every day, as long as he doesn't struggle as much against lefties, are you cool with that? Do you understand that? And in general, not 100% of the time, but in usual, and I, and I think um, I think the Cubs have a good relationship with their current manager, maybe one that they maybe didn't have with their previous manager. We, they could go to David Ross and go look at the situation. We really want to bring Peterson in. He wants to play every day. Um, 
you know, can we just commit to doing that? And, you know, unless things go really south with him again, uh, when it comes to southpaws. Was the perception around the league that the relationship with the previous manager was tenuous or slightly uncomfortable? I, I think that was the perception around the league that was tenuous or slightly uncomfortable or, or maybe, and, and you know, look, I, I don't, I'm not saying this is a bad thing for him or anything, but just that, you know, Joe Mann's going to do what he wants, yeah. you know, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, he, he, he certainly has the cachet and the success and the contract to do that, whereas a lot of managers uh, are more of a partner with, with the front office. That's, is that, that seems a very individual kind of relationship. It varies from situation to situation. For sure, and we are seeing more of the kind of, to use your term, partnerships um, and more of these kind of give and takes between the front office and the manager. And, and, then, and I think it comes with, you know, Obviously, managers want to be number one and be in charge. And, you know, when the game starts, they absolutely have to be and, and are uh, in, in every way. I mean, it's not like front offices are making the lineups, if you will. They're not thinking this guy second um, or use this guy in the seventh inning. That's not to the manager. You hand your roster to the manager. But some sort, you know, talking about player usage before the game start is something that, you know, front offices become more involved with. And, and I think managers are, are more open to as well because managers want to win. You know, and if they, if they can, they, if you can end up in a spot of mutual respect where, look, this is your team. And, and once the game starts, this is absolutely your team. We are entrusting this team to you. Uh, but we hope we can talk to you outside of that. Uh, you know, if you can build a mutual respect, I think it leads to a, a better situation all around. He is Kevin Goldstein from Fangraphs, formerly of the Astros, formerly of Baseball Prospectus. Quite a, quite a life and career in baseball. Listen to the Chin Music podcast. Uh, I listen mostly for the music, Kevin. That's just kind of how I roll. It's Steve Albini uh, as the producer, Andy Kaczynski on the drums, the great Tim Midget of Silkworm and Mint Mile on guitar. This is all in the theme song. And then some other jamoke on vocals that get used occasionally. And then you also just like have all this other cool music that you're playing all the time it's very very good what you're doing enjoyable welcome back to that world i appreciate it yeah absolutely all right man thanks that's kevin goldstein joining us right here in the score thanks kevin have a good day um the, as a texter points out there are only four left-handed starting pitchers in the national league central easy to find off days for him instead of making it a lineup decision which will dovetail quite nicely with what i do believe was the handshake agreement and how that will play out and probably was part of the thought process of offering said handshake agreement bruce levine will join us at ten forty. um before then a really interesting decision that the Cincinnati Reds appear to be making, which is very rare and has a little precedent before that, that I need to share with you. We'll do it next on The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Average miss in, on, in the MLB is like 17 inches. <laughs> Did you guys know that the human head weighs five pounds? Did you know that? Jared, do you know the human head weighs eight pounds? Eight pounds. Come on, Spiegel. Jonathan Lipnicki knew it was eight pounds. And Jerry Maguire and TJ Antone came to the post-game press conference last year armed with (laughs) the specious fact that the average miss by a pitcher in MLB is 17 inches. And that's why he threw it high and tight on... Who did he throw it high and tight on? Rizzo. It was Rizzo. It's always Rizzo. It's it's always Rizzo crowding the plate. That's right, because they had hit Votto, and it probably wasn't even intentional that they had hit uh, Joey Votto last year. Cubs and Reds getting into it. Reds saying that the Cubs were chirpy and annoying, which is kind of how they roll. And the up-and-coming Cincinnati Reds getting there. I I got a couple notes from around the league that I want to get to for a few minutes here before we get back local with our man Bruce Levine on Cubs and Sox, specifically some bullpen stuff coming up towards the end of the hour. And Jason Benetti, top of the hour. Shelby Miller of the Cubs one hour from now as you're listening to Hit and Run on 670 The Score. But let's start with the Reds. Does anybody realize what they're doing on the left side of the infield? Eugenio Suarez has not played more than a dozen innings at shortstop since 2015. He was a shortstop with the Tigers in 2014 and in 2015. But he has since gained some weight, added a lot of power, and played a lot of third base. The last three years, he's played six games at shortstop. He's 29 years old. But now he has lost 15 pounds and is going to play shortstop. And he's going to be the starting shortstop for the Reds. How often do you see this? The answer is not very often. A full-time third baseman or a full-time anybody moving back to shortstop. This crazy, difficult, challenging position. They didn't sign a shortstop after Freddie Galvis left. They're just going with Eugenio Suarez. So that's weird. Credit to Mike Petriello over at MLB.com who found the comps. I love this kind of stuff. They went back to 1969, found players who had a season of at least 100 games with 50% of those games coming at shortstop after three straight seasons of spending less than 20% of the time at shortstop. So, good. So it's guys who are of a certain age, 
who didn't play short and then went back. There are some guys who were utility players who then just had a jump as they became full-time shortstops. Ryan Terrio and Mark Loretta among them. The riot. But then there are some others that are actually decent comps. Michael Young played second and short when Alex Rodriguez went to Texas. He was a shortstop, then Young moved over there. But even this, that doesn't feel right because that's like moving second to short feels more similar. Tony Womack did that as well. Then there's this one. I love it. Hubie Brooks. Anything that gets me to reference Hubie Brooks will make me smile. After five different years as the Mets' third baseman, he moved to shortstop in 84 when the Mets traded for Ray Knight, and he stayed there when he went to Montreal in 85. He was an all-star shortstop then for three seasons before moving to the outfield in 88. That's a crazy career to, me- to remember. I didn't remember that he was third and then short and then outfield for Hubie Brooks. Oh, God. I know I'm a dork. That kind of stuff makes me smile. Um, in Dodgers camp, there's a couple things going on that are really, really interesting. Julio Urias has a new breaking ball. He has changed the grip on the breaking ball. He has, has more vertical movement on his slider, like a 12 to 6 curveball. And it's not really a slider. It's sort of a tweener. But you're seeing a lot of this around the league and that guy as he's trying to make the starting rotation for the Dodgers after being kind of a hybrid hero for them last year in the world series run is a really fascinating pitcher to watch. And again, if your fantasy baseball draft is coming up, say later in the day or uh, upcoming during this week, like many of ours are, you'll want to think about Julio Urias. If he makes the Dodgers rotation, he's going to have a lot of starts, wins, success, even though they're deep. And another guy who is fighting to make that rotation, another hybrid for them last year is Dustin May. Did anybody happen to see him against Fernando Tatis Jr. on Saturday? Probably not. You're probably watching the tournament, and God love you, so was I. But I also wake up and watch every little bit of highlights that I possibly can from the baseball day before, the stuff that was intriguing. And watching Dustin May strike out Fernando Tatis Jr. swinging on a 100-mile-an-hour fastball was glorious. Dustin May threw 98 with a vicious fastball, 87 with a preposterous slider that has a crazy amount of movement, and then 100 on a fastball to get Fernando Tatis Jr. So there you go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, everybody. Texter says, how dare you reference Hubie Brooks without calling him Hubie Babbling Brooks? That's a good call. That's fine. I am of the certain vintage, yes, indeed, where the early days of the Chris Berman nicknames were just an absolute delight. Greg Booker. Greg, take her away and Booker. Bert, be home, Bly Levin. Um, Jose going on a sea cruise, Fettuccine Alfredo Griffin. <laughs> I know, I know, but, uh, but these were the best. Are you even, do you even know what I'm talking about? Sean Anderson, you millennial. Do you even understand what the aged Spiegel is referencing? First off, I'm Gen Z and I think I do. <laughs> Why are you Gen Z? Where's the cutoff? No, uh, 96. So I was 97. Okay. All right. 
cool. Yeah, and uh, you know, Chris Berman just would throw around uh, nicknames for baseball guys. Mostly, I guess he did it with everybody, but it was mostly baseball guys, and it was an absolute delight in the early days of Sports Center. Now it's all about quick pitch, and I don't, I don't have time for your your pesky nicknames on my quick pitch. It's a very efficient broadcast, giving me as as high a quotient of pure highlights as you can possibly give me. We've got a lot of stuff to get to uh, before we're out of here, including you'll hear from one of the more intriguing guys in White Sox camp and who he is trusting, who he is listening to in camp is really, really fun. By the way, I think this week, even more solidification for spots four and five in the White Sox rotation. Carlos Rodon was really good. A day or two after Dylan Cease was really good. Renato Lopez in trouble these days. The numbers are bad, but that's just the spring. The fact that he's still vacillating between styles and mechanics and struggling with shorter arm swing and different kind of release points and still messing around. You're a little too far into the career with a little too much unrealized potential and a little too much consistent mediocrity behind you to be tussling like this when the roster is so deep. So to me, it seems Renato Lopez in trouble, Cease and Rodon with a lock on four and five. Let's see what our colleague Bruce Levine thinks, the host of Inside the Clubhouse and the Scores Baseball Insider. We'll talk to him next. Jason Benetti, top of the hour, right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Jeff Joniak said, do you know who this guy is? He held up a picture of Bruce Levine. I said, no. He goes, wherever his microphone goes, your microphone goes. That makes sense. Still a good lesson. Still a good thing. To heed, our man Bruce Levine hosts Inside the Clubhouse on Saturday mornings with David Haw. I liked the other guy that used to be there. But whatever, time marches on. Uh, and Bruce right now joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Alpamonte Ford. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park on North Avenue, or go to apford.com. Bruce is the score's venerable baseball insider. Good morning, Bruce. How are you, sir? Good morning. Yeah, the other guy got too big for the show. He decided he was was uh, more it was more important to go and host a uh, drive time show in the afternoon and uh, also go back to doing his own show on Sunday mornings. Yeah, I wonder what a jerk that guy was. Um, that's true, he though. Had I, a, he had his moments. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I miss you, Bruce. I do. I miss doing the show with you. But I, I was Let me talking... give you a virtual hug. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, please do. I, um, I was talking to uh, somebody out in Arizona, a mutual friend, um, somebody who has been in the business, who knows radio, and he says the show is better with Haw, just so you know. I was like, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, but he, he didn't, didn't necessarily mean that it's that I'm still a good part of it. <laughs> it. It just means that the show in general is better you know, yes. maybe without both of us, but yeah, it's great to have David there, and uh, we are thrilled for your success and uh, being back for your now the fifteenth year of Hit and Run starting today, which is a nice long-running show. If I wouldn't have gotten, you know, fired at uh, ESPN, I would I would be on a streak of almost thirty. So, um, you know, it's a it's a long time to be doing baseball talk shows on the weekend. 
Well, it's pretty cool. Saturday now and Sunday mornings, uh, baseball talk right here on The Score in the mornings as part of your day. Um, Bruce, um, the first thing I talked about today, pretty much from a baseball perspective, was that White Sox bullpen. And it is fascinating, isn't it? I don't know that there's a comp for it that jumps out. People reference the, you know, the Royals bullpen that Ned Yost had, but that was much more push button, like one inning, this guy, one inning, that guy, one inning, this guy. I don't know how this batch of arms is going to be utilized yet. Do you have a sense of how they're going to be utilized, what the roles might be before Liam Hendricks by Tony La Russa? Well, it's already been established that uh, Crochet, the number one pick from last year, the uh, left-hander that throws 100, is going to be throwing one inning toward the end of the game. So he and Bummer and Hendricks will be there. But uh, the hybrid role which is so fascinating uh, this year, is the Michael Kopech role. Uh, we had uh, Ethan um, Katz on, the pitching coach for the Chicago White Sox yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse. And we, we talked to him about the hybrid role of Crochet and uh, how he fits in. One, two innings, more. Is he going to be a starter? Here's Katz. The development for Michael is going to be ongoing in the bullpen. Um, the other day he threw all four pitches. He uh, got some change-ups in. He had multiple innings. His next outing um, is a one-plus. Um, seeing how he bounces back, um, it could be one inning, but it, it, it's scheduled to be a one-plus his next outing. So he could be able to go multiple innings at the start of the season. I think a lot of it, you know, it's been two years, you know, and what I mentioned to him after his last outing, that was the first time he had to work through a little bit um, in the last couple of years. You know, last year he had that one-inning in spring training, it was a one, two, three. So, you know, we just got to see how he's responding, seeing how he feels. Um, but the goal is to get him multiple innings. Uh, there will be times when he goes in there at those one inning. Um, but it, a lot of it has to do with how he recovers and kind of go from, from there with how his body feels. Interesting, Bruce. So that's Ethan Katz talking about Michael Kopech and saying the wide array of pitches gives him an opportunity for multiple innings. It's, so it's not just rear back and throw it as hard as you can, kid, and when you're done, you're done. Um, it's more malleable and a little more depth than that, isn't it? Well, and Matt, take it a step further. This is uh, still player development for a guy that's only pitched in four games in the major leagues in his career and hasn't pitched in a game competitively uh, outside of this spring training and one inning last spring training for two years. So this is all about, yeah, we, we want Kopech to be a part of our bullpen. We want him to be a hybrid, a bridge guy that comes in in the fifth and sixth inning rather than, you know, later in, in bridge a game to the closer. This could be a hybrid role where he is uh, kind of inventing a position for himself, but also stretching out and getting to the point where he builds up the arm, he builds up innings, and he's ready to be a starting pitcher in 2022. Well, that, that is interesting. And you wonder, who is the sixth option um, for the White Sox? Renato Lopez has not been very good uh, this spring, uh, but maybe it's still Renato Lopez. But is Kopech somebody that, if they had to find another one midseason, will, will they want Kopech to be an option at that point? Well, you know, being as valuable as he is, Matt, the idea is he's, he'd have to get stretched out. So, you know, would he go back to the minor leagues for three weeks and build up his innings because he can't do it at the major league level? You just can't, you know, you can throw him in as a long man, 
But, you know, if you do that, you know, you lose him for the role that he's in for that particular point in time. I think Lopez is going to probably break as a long man because uh, if you look at um, the conversation that we've heard about last season and this season and getting starting pitchers back to um, semblance of uh, throwing 30 to 33 starts, uh, getting stretched out to 160, 70, 80 innings, uh, that's going to be a slow roll. So at the beginning, I think you're going to see a lot of teams with quasi six starters because of the fact that they want those uh, innings to be built up slowly for their starting pitchers. They don't want to max them out early, knowing that uh, they're, they're trying to rebuild after almost a whole year of being off. Bruce, um, before the Adam Engel injury, I would have said that it was kind of a long shot for Billy Hamilton to make this opening day roster. Maybe I would have been wrong, but, but either way, now Engel is hurt. We'll find out a little bit more about that today, I would assume. Do you think Billy Hamilton ends up on the roster, and, and would they be able to send him down to the minors, according to the deal? And, and, and I understand, I don't know if you know, because it can be specific from contract to contract. It's a minors deal that Billy Hamilton signed. I just don't know if they could send him to Charlotte um, if they wanted to. Yeah, you you don't know if he's going to have options or not once he signs the major league deal. But uh, the situation with Angle would create a spot for Hamilton. And um, LaRusso likes the fact that he plays all three outfield positions and can be that speed guy at the end of the game or even in the seventh inning that goes in and gets you a run that you need by a pinch running or stealing a base or being able to score from first on a double. Uh, those are intriguing things for this roster. But uh, the angle injury, as you said, will know more uh, today. Uh, he's a really important player for this team because he is such a good defensive player, and he seems to have uh, been able to find himself offensively as well over the last two years. So from that perspective, we'll just have to see today. But again, uh, with Garcia on the roster they don't necessarily have to carry a lot of outfielders because he's, you know, the infielder outfielder that can play seamlessly uh, just about any position on the field. Let's switch sides of town, Bruce. Uh, Cubs bullpen, much better for Craig Kimbrell yesterday and in his appearance before that. It seems like um, uh, David Ross and others a little bit more relaxed about Kimbrell than they were. Yeah, they are. And, you know, uh, with only 10 days left in spring training, Matt, you pay more attention to the co- competitive pitching and at bats, okay? Because early in spring training, you know, you're, you're going up against uh, camp guys that are necessar- not necessarily major leaguers. So when you're trying to rate the performance and giving OPS and, uh, you know, ratio of strikeout to walk, it's, it's really not very accurate. Now, with the 10 days left, they're facing very good players. So when you see a guy like Kimbrell strike out a couple of guys, uh, you see the velo being where it needs to be. You're seeing the curveball almost getting back to where it belongs. Quite, Not quite yet. He's not really thrown it for a strike yet, but there is a break to it that um, the, the hitters were swinging at yesterday. Uh, that's the key. That's the key for, uh, for Kimbrell is to be able to get that breaking ball over for a strike early in the count and then let the, you know, let the fastball eat you know, after that. That has been the key to the success of an almost Hall of Fame career 
uh, for Craig Kimbrell over the last 11 years. Mm. Um, what else in that Cubs bullpen? Saw Pedro Strope hit 95 on the gun yesterday. That's a story. Gun might have been fast, though, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not sure about Strope making the team, but the, the guy to look at is uh, Shelby Miller. So, you know, the former starter and uh, big arm has uh, returned to form. He's going to make the Cubs a roster as a, a bullpen guy. Um, and down the road, he might be a starting pitcher again uh, because we know that they need the depth. Uh, there's not a lot of depth in the Cubs starting pitching. If they get an injury or two, it's a it's problem, problematic. But, but Miller... Um, is you know you can tell by the way the the hitters are acting that that ball is fastball is live a breaking ball that's uh, getting over the plate and uh, I think he's going to be uh, in the in the middle to set up role uh, for the Cubs initially and then uh, maybe get stretched out because he is very viable from his career as a starting pitcher. Well, that's pretty cool. We're talking to him in one hour, Bruce, on this show. Uh, I, I'm looking to forward because it, forward Duke, it's kind of a fascinating career, and he was getting stretched out, and then yesterday they used him in in one inning. So that 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 makes sense that that they seem to have found a guy there. Uh, one more on the left-handers in that bullpen. Kyle Ryan sent down. Uh, he's been the predominant lefty the last two years. So I guess that means Andrew Chafin and Rex Brothers gonna make this team. I think so. Weck, uh, you know, had a good inning the other day, but uh, yeah. Ross said he's not quite there yet. You know, he's coming back from from injuries last year. Uh, Brothers, you know, has been around a long time with the Cubs once before. He is throwing the heck out of the ball. I think he makes the team as the second lefty after Chafin. Uh, that's that's what you're looking at at this bullpen. And, um, you know, I think Alzelay and Miller – those are the guys you look at for longmen for the Cubs when they need it. You know, it's going to be another combination of Winkler, Workman, Adam, you know, Miller, Alzelay, Holder. And then coming back is Rowan Wick, who is just starting uh, to come back from the intercostal uh, injury that he had that kept him down to the end of last year and has hurt him so far this year. He won't start the season uh, with the team, but uh, there's some good encouraging signs that he's getting back on the hill getting ready to compete. Bruce, you're the best. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Matt. Take care. All right, thank you. It's Bruce Levine. He will join us weekly here on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, Actually, that's his show on Saturdays on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Hey, I know there's, like, basketball going on, but they're not tipping off yet. They don't tip off at the top of the hour. They got plenty of minutes going into the hour before they play. In the meantime, listen to me and Jason Benetti talking White Sox next on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.